Hello there. I'm Josh with the Indi- with the Independent Awareness Council. Every day, more and more independent podcasters and game studios are closing down because rather than support them, you're buying loot boxes from greedy corporations instead of liking and subscribing to your favorite podcast feeds, Patreons, and buying games made by the hardworking men and women stuck in their mother's basements. Giving a little means a lot. And here at Below Average Gaming, we like to discuss and highlight these independent studios today rather than give in to another Overwatch loot box. I'm here with my associate, Michael. How are you doing today? On the list of games you could have chosen for loot box, you chose Overwatch. I mean, to be fair, they helped make the laws happen to ban loot boxes in some countries. Overwatch was a big part of that. It was cited in the court documents. Yeah, but like, Overwatch? You know, I don't like your sass. The studio is breaking <laughs> up. But look what they've done. The pressure from everybody has broken us. And so how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Week's been pretty good so far. Yeah, you've been uh you've been up to much gaming this week? A little bit. Playing Hollow Knight again. Of because course. I don't really have a good reason, just kind of Why not? Hey, if it's good, why, why not revisit it, you know? Have Hollow actually... Knight, mm-hmm. Darkest Dungeon, Slay the Spire. That's been my week. You know what those sound like? A bunch of indie games. I do know what those sound like. A bunch of indie <laughs> games, which works too, because like I've been playing Habroxia. Habroxia 2 just came out, so I also picked that up, and I've been playing that a bit. Uh, I've been playing kind of, well, not playing, spectating Hollow Knight. While my girlfriend plays it. And I've been kind of getting back into looking at some more games. Uh, Hades. I need to play more of that. This is one of those things. We're we're both playing a ton of indie games right now. And getting a lot of value out of them. Including us planning on playing Risk of Rain 2 later. And getting that posted up for everybody. So. We know the highlights of that. Because I feel like indie games. Almost. There's almost like a stigma around the word indie. When it comes to like movies and games. Like oh those are those artsy things that aren't as nice. But I, we're getting better about it. But I think, really, there's a lot to highlight there and a lot of value, especially for the dollar amount, because a lot of indie games are just way, way cheaper than AAA games, and they don't lack the quality at all. Like, they're just as good. I mean, I think that indie games got, like, the they're the artsy thing for a fairly good reason, because your, like, hyper-realistic graphics that you see in a AAA title are just extremely expensive, and indie games don't have the capital to do them. Mm-hmm. But... I think the outlook of that being a bad thing is really dumb because I think there's a lot of games that would kind of suck if they had AAA graphics that are really good with the very influenced artsy style that they have. Yeah, it gives them a lot of character, even though like I know you're not the biggest fan of Cuphead, that art style is beautiful. And if it was just like some really like clean looking, pristine game that didn't have that art style, it would probably lose a lot of its feel. And it's actually yeah, better and than even the- yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Cuphead has some issues. I don't think it's the be all and end all. Game's still really good, but mm. for myself, something like uh, Supergiant, yeah, Supergiant just puts out games that ooze with flavor and feeling, and Definitely. it's just it's absolutely incredible. And a big chunk of that comes from their art style. We've seen this in Hazy's transistor was very specific to what it was and it added a ton to that game even bastion yeah for sure and hollow knight a game that obviously we love a ton a lot from that game comes from its environment its storytelling based on how it looks is huge 
and even something silly like um like an untitled goose game is just hilarious because it's like a cartoony janky looking game that kind of adds to it if that game looked triple a quote unquote you would lose a lot of the, the fun from what that game is because it looking like that like, kind of almost gives you a message of, hey, this is supposed to be janky and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know for myself when I was a bit younger and was kind of new to gaming, I definitely did ha- struggle with the more indie look where it's like a little bit more artsy rather than like hyper realistic or a little bit more lower resolution pixelated, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I feel like that mentality is just totally misplaced and games just belong in different art styles and it's not a good thing for one or a bad thing for another it's just that each game is different and requires something different as such Mm -hmm. well even too there's some there's some newer games coming out that are indie that are looking a little bit better because now technology is getting a little bit cheaper i mean nothing's Mm going to look like you know the demon souls remake that's indie but things are starting to look pretty good like something like um blue fire there's a new game that came out that looks very, very much just like it's a Nintendo game, like that Zelda kind of style graphics. But it's a it's a roguelike platformer adventure game that's like supposed to be really, really, really good. It's almost kind of like um, old old school Zelda, like Nintendo 64 era, where there's actually dungeons you go into. The game's reviewing really well. Apparently, people really, really like it. There's supposed to be more getting added onto it. Stuff like that's really exciting to see. And even like. Rocket League, for all intents and purposes, looks really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you would want to make that game look different than it does. Yeah. Even, like, for games that go for that more realistic uh, look, something like even What Remains of Eden Finch. Yeah. That game doesn't look bad by any means. No. Sure, it doesn't have your 4K upscaled resolution, all the, like, random BS that you can put into a game nowadays if you're from a AAA developer, but... It looks really good, and it fits for everything that game does. Yeah. And there's just... There's a, there's a lot of value in these games that... You know, I mean, really, like, the roguelike genre is indie. Like, there's there's very, 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 very few examples of anything that's roguelike that's made by a major studio. Like, we couldn't even, like, think of a major one. But that genre is beloved now, and it's huge, and because of the replayability factor of it, they actually give you a lot more value than a mm-hmm. lot of, like, AAA games that are just, like, you do the story and then you're done. Like, like something that, like, The Last of Us is only so long, and then the game's just over, but it's, like, a full-price game. Or if you get something like Dead Cells, where you can just keep running the game over and over again, you get, actually, a lot more value out of that. Or even, like, Subnautica. Like, that game is really, really gorgeous, but it's just, like, another independent game that has a lot of value to it. Because playing that mm. game on the hardest difficulty is, like, a struggle to stay alive. Now, I know the uh, the new version of Subnautica they have out now is supposed to be incredible because now you actually go on land a lot more. And you actually have to manage your temperature in winter. Like, there's, like, snow and you actually have to stay warm instead of trying to, you know, breathe. So it's really cool. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think when you compare it on like a value proposition, it's really hard to argue with indie games because yeah. even some of the really big AAA games, something like God of War, for example, I think is one of the games that I spent the longest time on. Mm. And my God of War is I'm at like 70 or 80 hours in that game, yeah, which like is a lot of time. And oh, yeah. I'm saying for for the 80 bucks it cost me, that's 100 percent worth it. But when you contrast that with something like Slay the Spire, which I'm nearing 300 hours for like a 30 dollar game. 
or something like Stardew Valley that I bought at like 15 and I am now nearing like, again, 250 hours or something like Minecraft, which I bought right when it came out at like $15 mm-hmm. and I've logged probably 1500 hours into that game. Yeah. Like the value proposition, it's really hard to argue with a lot of the indie titles right now. Yeah, and that's something too, a lot of people might not realize how small that game really was when it came out. If you're just one of the people that recently, you know, in the last like even four or five years was like, you know, after Microsoft bought the company, it's just like that game was so small when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it was just a it was just a passion project, which a lot of this stuff is. There's a there's some really good documentaries too. One that particularly highlights the creator Super Meat Boy. That's just like a lot of work and a lot of love went into that, and a lot of long days. Well, Edmund McMullen, who is the creator of Super Meat Boy, he just has a really incredible career because as an indie developer, he did he made Super Meat Boy, which did absolutely incredible. He did Binding of Isaac, both the original and then Binding of Isaac Rebirth, uh, when they remastered into HD, both of which did absolutely incredible. And he's even like kickstarted two card games at this point. Mm. So like his, his his design capability is just incredible. And he's just an independent developer. He develops things pretty much by himself. Yeah, which is kind of just pretty incredible. It is incredible. It's, it's a lot of talent. He was behind behind that and even too like we were talking about team 17 is just like a really cool company it's made a bun- bunch of really good games like worms it's, it's fun right it's like and they've really so many worms games like most people have usually played like a worms gate worms game at some point and then now they have overcooked the escapists which are both amazing and then, and they've made Blasphemous, which is like a really brutal, brutal looking game. It's like a very big departure from their usual art style, but it's still like amazing and worth every penny. And that's a game you can play for a very, very long time for a very low entry point because there are smaller studios. They don't have to charge as much because their development cost isn't as big, but they still can make some money off their games. We can support them. And it's a lot easier just to pick up a game like that and give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. And I think... I think the biggest issue with indie games and something that we're hoping to fix at least a little bit by trying to put some names out there is people miss their releases. Yes. Because a big thing that gets cut when you don't have the AAA funding is your advertising. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more, a lot of indie games get found out through recommended by a friend or through Kickstarter or something like that, but you'll never see an ad for something like Hollow Knight. No. It just, it doesn't happen. Whereas... No one in the gaming world will ever go without hearing about the new Call of Duty that's coming out. Exactly. It's just like... And so you just have... You have so many games that slide under the radar. Mm -hmm. And even even something like Hollow Knight, which is one of my favorite games now, I didn't play until 2018. Yeah. And there's... There's a podcast that I used to listen to that's not around anymore that where I first heard about Hollow Knight and the guy kept going on and on. It's like, this should just be the game of the year. This should just be the game of the year. Why is nobody playing this? And I actually first started playing it a little bit more so because I had, you know, heard about it just from word of mouth. I never actually saw an advertisement for it. It's just like Blue Fire. Like, I hadn't heard anything about that. And then somebody mentioned it and I was like, oh, okay, I'll go look this up. And the game just looks really, really good. And I'm planning on picking it up just because somebody actually said something about it. But most of the time, you don't hear anything. Just like um, the people who make uh, Habroxia, it's just nobody ever talks about these people. 
And then we talked about these games. And Baraki is just like an incredible game. And the second one just came out. And it's it's really cool because that game is almost like a continuation of one rather than it's just like you start over. Like a lot of, you know, sequels of games, the the second one's still like really easy when you start and it ramps up. The end of Abraxia 1's difficulty feels like that Abraxia 2's first level is just a continuation of the last level of 1. Like, they just made the game way harder, which makes it really fun to play back-to-back. And, like, Lilio, Lilimo Games is really small. They only have a couple games out. They've made Perils of Baking, Abraxia, made Twin Breaker, which is a really unique, just, like, paddle-style, like, Pong game. But it has a story... There's secrets, there's power-ups, and eventually there's two paddles on the side and two paddles on the top, and you have to control all four paddles at the same time. It's just like a really unique game, and that game is hard. When you get the four paddles and you're trying to control something that's going left to right and up and down at the same time, if you're not used to that, it breaks your brain. But it's just one of those things that people aren't going to hear about unless somebody says something. Yeah, and it's really hard because a lot of the games that I like to play... A lot of my favorite games in any genre are just, at this point, indie games. Yeah. Even, too, a lot of our friends are just, like, really apprehensive to trying stuff because they're indie games. Like, I've never heard of that. I don't want to try it. And it's just like, you should. You should absolutely try this game. Just, like, a big one is Bullets Per Minute. For me, that I'm like, I think more people should know about Bullets Per Minute. It's a first-person rhythm game shooter. So how the game works is that you go through and you can pick up power-ups. It's got that roguelike element to it. But you can only shoot and reload on the beat. So you actually have to like get into the rhythm of the game and play it like a music rhythm game. Because if unless you're on the beat, you're going to be missing opportunities to shoot and reload. And the game's just really about moving. It's kind of like that Doom style where you're supposed to move. So it's like mm-hmm. a really unique game that's incredible. I've played a lot of it and it's in insane i've never played anything like that before yeah well that was my experience even with crypto the necrodancer which is similar but it says like a top-down dungeon explorer and you just you have to move on the beat and attack on the beat and in that game all of the enemies also move and attack on the beat and it just winds up being so cool to play something like that because it's a completely different experience yeah it's really immersive too because you have to be paying attention you can't be like listening to a podcast or listening to music while you're playing it. It's like, no, you need to be involved with this game. And I like games like that that draw you in. Yeah, and I think that's that's been a big thing for myself that I've tried to switch in the last couple of years where I used to play a lot of League and even stuff like Minecraft and things like that that I would basically play with something in the background. And so, like, I'd 60% pay attention to that game. Yeah. And I've been trying to play more games that I want to just fully pay attention to. And a lot of those wind up being indie games, wind up being smaller games because they're just very immersive. And I think indie games shine with their storytelling Mm -hmm. because so often it feels like an indie game is more of a passion project and less so of a how do we how does this sell? So a lot of indie games are more committed to their storyline and will tackle more difficult subjects and things like that. Yeah, like like Firewatch. Like, that's a game that is really quiet on purpose and something that you should, like, get into and get your attention. And I think they do a really good job in that game in particular because there's an intro section where you kind of, like, do, like, a um, like a, a quick story choice. 
Like, how do you react to this? How do you react to that? And it just kind of gets you into your character a bit. But it never it never stops bringing you into your character because as you go, it's just that the silence is something that they want in there and something you should appreciate about the game. But even just like the sounds of birds in the trees and stuff in that game make me want to not turn it off because they sound really good. Like I was impressed with the sound design of like some of these indie games, especially the stuff like Firewatch. And even too, like Edith Fitch, you were talking about like that game's atmosphere and the dialogue and it is so important that you can't turn it off and get the full impact. Yeah. And I think when you delve into the story and the atmosphere of games, the advantages that indie games have is indie games don't try to don't try to appeal to everybody. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, for example, with medium, because we just played medium through, yeah. they toyed with some really cool ideas and then backed off of it. Yeah. And I, I think that that in some part is to make the game more palatable. Hmm. And I don't think as many indie games do that where Edith Finch has something it wants to talk about and talks about it and goes like all the way in. There's no holds barred in that game whatsoever. Yeah. And that's really incredible because it brings the game forward from just being about gameplay or being about something like that to actually being a form of art. Like it actually becomes an art form where they're trying to tell a story and trying to paint a picture without worrying about all these other things. Yeah, and that's definitely where we lose things. Like that was the big thing with me with Medium. Like you said, it's just a game pulled back and it was really obvious that it pulled back. Where you know where something even like Celeste, a really amazing platformer that tackles some really heavy subjects, and it's just they don't they don't pull back on it. They're very upfront about it and it adds a lot to how that game plays yeah and celeste committed to what it was and they what they did was incredible and it's honestly just probably the best platformer like strict platformer to come out in the last like two or three years yeah the game's incredibly well designed and it's just but yeah you don't you don't hear a ton about it from a lot of people you don't get a lot of stuff going out there about how good some of these games are and even like something like they are billions is an indie game. Oh yeah. That's just really incredible. And um there's a there's a couple other games here. I was just gonna pull up my uh pull up my list here to make sure that I had these all down because I want to make sure everyone gets their time. Like the witness. Like the value of the witness is incredible, but that it's just like an indie game and all people just don't know about it. And you should. The witness is one of those games that just surprised me with how good it was yeah and it's just that's a game that you cannot you you can't put that song i mean you can't put that game aside based on the fact that oh it's just a puzzle game where i mash my mash things it's just like no it's like that's not it's how this game works the game does a lot of really awesome stuff with puzzles like there's not really any puzzle game i like more than the witness and i'm the best one (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, we know, you know, we know. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things, right? That it's like it's not something that I like playing all the time, but it's so good because they're so well done. It's a passion project. There's just so much goes into these games where it's not just like, hey guys, we need to slap the, the annual release out this year. Like I know sports games have a big problem with that, where there's not a lot of innovation, there's not a lot of special stuff you can do about it because it's just a franchised game. And 
there's even good versions of sports games out there that are independent that don't get any love. And then there's like the art side of it. Like there's this game Bound that I played a, little, a while ago and on PS4. It's it's so weird. The whole game, your character is basically dancing. You're kind of like a ballerina. And then all, people just like, or like, whatever. That, that doesn't sound interesting to me. But you're dancing through your own like life issues in that game. And it's like a big metaphor for somebody like dealing mentally with things that have happened in their lives. And there's points of that game that are just like so sad and so quiet. And it's incredible. But you just didn't like a lot of people didn't play it. And it's just. I think it's important to make sure that people know that like, hey, like there's a lot out there. People keep talking about how there's like this is like the month where there's like nothing coming out. Even we talked about it, right? But for like 20 bucks, you could probably pick up three or four indie games on Steam now. You could go on the PlayStation Store and just look up sales and just look at some smaller games. Google them if you're not sure. A lot of these games just have really good reviews. But you have to go not on IGN, not on GameStop, not on a lot of these places that don't review all these smaller games sometimes. And it's kind of cool because IGN's done that where they've missed a couple of games and they're like, we're sorry. Like the last campfire. They just reviewed it. It came out months ago. Because they're like, oh, we 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 missed it. But it's like, that game's supposed to be incredible. And it's so beautiful. And it's made by Hello Games, which has made just a bunch of really good games, right? Like, they made No Man's Sky, which, sure, it came out bad. But now that game's incredible because people supported it. They cared. And they fixed it. A lot of bigger game companies don't fix things right away. Or they'll just leave them. Like Hitman, Hitman 3, bunch of good reviews out there. The game literally didn't work for three days. I mean, at least it works now, unlike others. Yeah, Cyberpunk. <laughs> but like like that game has, an, has a persistent online save system in it in order to save the game. I didn't see anybody talking about that in any of the major places. You couldn't save your game for three days if you wanted to like gain XP or be on the leaderboard or anything. It would like break. And people are just like fine That's with good. that. It's just like, whatever, man. So a lot of these indie games come out really well done. And there's like the odd things like No Man's Sky, which was a little bit. A little bit too pie in the sky for that one where we should have like, you know, had an early access. We admit this game isn't done thing, but they fixed it. And now they've made the last campfire, which is a much smaller game. That's supposed to be a really good storytelling game. Yeah. And. As you said, I think storytelling is where indie games can shine. Mm -hmm. I think storytelling, because a lot of the times, I think an indie game begins with a story. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of AAA games, for lack of a better way to say it, begin with a game. And the story sometimes feels shoehorned in after. Obviously, this isn't every AAA game. There's some AAA games that will rant and rave about the story to you. Mm. But for a lot of them, it feels like an afterthought. For, for myself... And touching back on The Witness, I think that in the puzzle game genre, the only good games are indie games. I don't think there are good AAA puzzle games. No. Because the things that AAA can do that indie can't don't add anything to the game. And Witness is one of my favorite puzzle games. Something like Steven Sausage Roll, which I think is just the best puzzle game of all time. And we'll probably hold that for quite a while, all things considered. 
or something Cosmic Express, all these other games that I've played, Monsters Expedition, which is by the same guy as Cosmic Express. Mm -hmm. These games are the way to play puzzle games. And so many AAA puzzle games, if you try to think about them, wind up being like match three games. Or feeling like medium. Because medium had a lot of puzzle aspects to it. Yeah, and it was really but medium. the puzzles weren't good, <laughs> right? That's just like really hard. Yeah, and it's just like this game here. That Dragon Cancer. There's no way a AAA studio would have made this game. Like this is a, this is a big one that I think is incredible. It's a game about a, an actual family who's like whose child died from cancer. I think a AAA studio is going to make a game with that good of a story to it. I don't think so. And like the only port, the only like non-indie puzzle game we've ever had is Portal. Right? Is is that like literally the only one that's not been garbage? Yeah, and I mean, that game, I don't think aged that well. No. I think that game is too simplistic. The thing the thing with Portal, and this, is, this might piss people off because people love this game, but the ending of that game forgets that it's a puzzle game. Yes. And becomes a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, it's really odd to say because there are still puzzle aspects, but... In the ending of that game, the puzzle aspects become less and less important and your actual first person shooter and like movement and stuff becomes way more important. Which just is really disappointing for how that game started. It is. It's just things fall apart like that often in bigger games. And even um, a way out that we played. Was like a really, really cool game that just fell off at the end. Because it turned into like a shooter when it wasn't being a shooter up until that point. I I don't know if I agree with you totally on this one. I don't actually think that that chapter fell off as hard as you think it did. My, my biggest thing about that chapter is, is that I think the game should have had more of that in it or just not do it at all. Yeah, sure. And I can accept that. But I actually think for what they did, they didn't do a bad job of what they were trying to do. It wasn't bad, but it also then by putting that section in there makes me not recommend it to like a lot of people that don't like playing gun like gun games. And you like have to be somewhat competent aiming a gun in that game in order to do that section. And I know a lot of people that I'm just like, well, I'm not even going to recommend it because they'll hate that section. That's fair. I haven't thought about it that way, but that totally makes sense. Yeah. There's even like some cool puzzle games out there that like. I are almost like useful tools. This is kind of funny. I just wanted to shout out like letter quest. I actually use that to get my like kid to like into like, you know, reading and like just word structure. Cause it's a game where you go through and you do all damage to characters based on how good of a word you can make. And some things like don't take damage from things that like begin with vowels or consonants, or, like, they take double damage from, like, double vowel letters. I mean, double vowel words. And it's... That game's sweet. I, like, 100%ed that game with my kid. And it's and it's incredible. But once again, that's one of those things that you, you can't add to that by making it AAA. It has to be what it is. And it's, it's really fun. Yeah, in that, like, typing line, uh, there's a game, Textratrice. 
where you're an exorcist and the game's primary mechanic is typing, which typing games have been done a ton. Hmm. But this game was really interesting because it actually incorporated movement. So you actually had to use like WASD in like a bullet hell type Binding of Isaac thing. And then you could switch to your typing mode by holding down. I think it was control. If you held down control. Okay. So you actually had to dodge and type at the same time. And that game, that concept was just really cool. That is cool. Well, and I think that there's a big genre out there too that I think a lot of game companies just don't even want to touch the indies kind of taken over. And that's horror games. Like actual horror games. There's not a ton of non indie horror games like Resident Evil, I guess, is like the big one. But like they finally released a horror game in seven when they hadn't released horror games for a while because five and six are not horror games. Those are those are action games. Thank you very much. But even like Outlast, that's an indie game. The Forest, Soma, Amnesia, Doki Doki Literature Club, which is a horror game like Five Nights at Freddy's Phasmophobia, which is like great little nightmares. Like that game is just like really disturbing and it's an indie game. Like a lot of a lot of what this comes down to is the fact that there there there's so much value in these indie things because like we like we keep saying bigger studios can't do this. It's not it's not doesn't make sense for them, right? Or even something too with like like Death Stranding, the way that had to get broken out was somebody left a big studio to make their own studio because they got tired of it. And that happens. There's there's been several times where Big video game developers are like, I'm done with this crap. I'm going to go start my own studio. Peace. Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting because you would think that the companies that have all the capital and have all the money to spend would be the ones that take risks, but they never do. No. 99% of AAA games that come out are like are following a cookie cutter outline for what makes a game and what sells. That's why every Call of Duty is realistically pretty much the exact same as the previous ones. Yeah. And why every game has Battle Royale now that's a big game. Yep. They, because they, they put the it's what was making money. So, yeah, so Whereas indie games, a lot of the times, will take risks and will put something different and something unique out there. Something like Papers, Please. If you pitched the the actual gameplay idea of Papers, Please to a AAA studio, they'd actually, like, laugh you out of the building. Yeah, for sure. They would never make that. Because no the gameplay, the gameplay doesn't seem like it should work. But it does. And because the game is this passion project that's focused on the atmosphere and the story and all this stuff, it's incredible. But it's something that would never be attempted by a first party or a triple a studio yeah because it's not part of their outline of what they think works yeah it's just sometimes we just get tired of the same cookie cutter which is like the same thing just keeps coming out like i even liked the last call of duty campaign like it was fine but then i was just like this is a pretty good story like it's not bad you know but like also if i want to have a story about how like messed up war can be sometime I can just play like this war of mine instead. And it's just like now, 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 now we're getting serious about this subject. You know what I mean? Like that game has like hard decisions in it and like horrible stuff happens. You walk by and there's just like a shoe left where some kids were and there's a crater 
It's like, what do you think happened? <laughs> you know? Or just... like, or like you break into a house and there's literally just an old couple sitting in their living room and we're like, we can't do anything to stop you. Yeah. But like... if you take our shit, we'll die. It's like, ugh. Like, oh. That game, that game was definitely a game that I totally missed on and went back and played well after it was released. And that game wowed me. Yeah. And they, they, uh, they have a board game out for it now, or it's coming out. I'm actually going to check because this isn't the big one. It's more of mine. What's a board game? I'm not allowed to get together with people. Hey, some people are stuck in houses with other people. Okay. Come on now. (laughs) I yeah. get it. I just get to be alone. I understand. <laughs> alone in a house full of family. It feels bad, then. <laughs> oh, that got dark. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. You chose your family. It's true. I had a good time making it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, this War of Mine board game, too, which is, like, kind of cool that they got enough money for making that game to do that. Well, even Frostpunk did it, too. Yeah. And I want to try that board game because probably incredible. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. But yeah, like that's a big thing is there's so much good coming out. And I hope people realize that a lot of good stuff has come out. There's so many good indie games out there. You can look up anything that we've been talking about and find something of quality. You can also look and see what's coming out like. We still have Silk Song coming out, which rumor has it, you know, sequel there. Is it even coming out, though? Apparently very soon. I'll believe it when I see it. I heard some rumors. There's some rumors. I I will (laughs) believe it when I see it, considering last time we got a trailer and then they literally disappeared off social media for a year. So (laughs) it's almost like they don't want to, like, you know, keep talking about it if it's not ready and they just want to talk about it when it's done. It's, oh, it's almost like they don't want to put out a game that doesn't run on every platform it's available on. Exactly. Like <laughs> a lot of AAA games now are having this issue. Like it's funny because we always meme about like, you know, Cyberpunk is like the big joke right now. But there's a lot of games that are doing that now that just don't run on old consoles anymore or just revive broken. I also I I don't know why, but fundamentally it bothers me when a AAA studio releases an early access game. You mean they they just want to get money? Like, and this is a thing that I love the fact that early access exists for smaller developers. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of developers that have a really good idea and don't have the capital to produce a full game. So they put it in early access, sell you basically a demo with the caveat that you'll get the full game when it comes out. And some of them are really good. I've started and played a lot of games that started on early access, and I still play them now in their full release. It doesn't always work. But when a AAA studio releases an early access game, or even better, when they do something like they did with Animal Crossing, where they release an early access game and don't tell you it's an early access game, just, like, you don't (laughs) need the money. Like, in the case of Animal Crossing... Nintendo had the capital to develop that game fully before releasing it. But because COVID put them in a really good spot to release... And again, this is a little bit of a dark take on it. But because COVID put them in such a good position to release that game, they did it when the game wasn't completed. Yeah. And then you have the flip side where Cyberpunk 
Cyberpunk had to be released because CD Projekt Red did not have the money to finish developing that game without selling it. Mm-hmm. But that's because their project their project was way too ambitious. And I think even for CD Projekt Red, if CD Projekt Red had early access to Cyberpunk, I think it would have gone really well for them. The fact that they said the game was done and it wasn't, it blows up in their face. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is just an independent developer is much more likely to be honest with you than a AAA studio is. When an indie developer says they need more time, they they take their time. They ask for help. You know, CD Projekt Red was just like, the game is great. Here you go. By the way, reviewers, um, you can't show console footage in any of your reviews, and you can't capture your own gameplay. It has to be all the stuff that was like in the trailers. You okay with that? And we're just going to give you code through PC. But the game's done, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and now CD Projekt's stock is rising again. Yay! Yeah, Elon <laughs> Musk tweeted about them. That's how it works now. Didn't you know? Elon Musk made a positive tweet about CD Projekt Red, hence their stock rises. It's messed up, man. <laughs> oh, it 100% is. Yeah, and I think indie games, it's it winds up being a double-edged sword because there's some indie games that wind up taking forever. Mm. Fez um, is a very notorious one of those. Fez, yeah, that's the one that came out last year, right? Oh, Fez, Fez is... Fez is old. Fez no, is from 2012. When did Fez come out? 2012. Was when he showed it. And then okay. It came out a year later, but, like, that guy has, like, disappeared now. There's, um... There's a really interesting documentary about this that I will... Yeah, Indie Game the Movie. That's the one I was talking about earlier. If you want to really get into this sidetrack, if you really want to see something cool about indie games, look up Indie Game the Movie and watch it. It is a very, very well done documentary about games and has um, a bunch of really actually pretty big indie developers in it now. Plus kind of like a tragic tale of what happened with Fez. So on this topic of games that just like disappear, have, have you ever heard of a game called Cube World? It sounds familiar, but I actually don't know what it is. So Cube World is a game that was developed by a couple. So it was a man, a guy and his wife. Hmm. And they started developing it in 2011. Okay. In 2013, the game... I guess technically it entered early access, but not like on Steam or anything. He basically posted an alpha version of Cube World to his website in 2013, and you could buy it. And it's a voxel-based game where you run around and you get gear and upgrade your character and gain levels and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And game was very alpha. Uh, and the game picked up so much steam that he actually just, like, noped out of it. Oh. And, like, went radio silent for years. And this game became, like, a little bit of a legend among the people who really enjoyed it. And then in like, so that was 2013. I think it was okay. 2016. We got like, he uploaded like six screenshots of new content to his blog. Okay. 
and there was an update, but the game was unpurchasable. You couldn't actually buy the game at this point because he had taken it down. So everyone who had the alpha version got this update after three years of complete and radio silence or something like that. And then in 2019, he was like, oh yeah, by the way, it's coming to Steam and all the alpha purchasers get a Steam key and released another update to it. I don't think the game's ever going to be done because it's still not done now, but it's just like, Literally, this guy disappeared for, like, six years and then was like, okay, I guess you can buy it on Steam. (laughs) (laughs) And just, like, that's absolutely hilarious. And I remember being super disappointed that this game, like, wasn't really happening. But at the end of the day, at that time, the game wasn't ready. Yeah. And And I'm sad that I don't think we'll ever get a full game out of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, sometimes that happens. Yeah, there's there's a game. I want to. I got one more here for you. Okay, so the game Wild about like a shaman who couldn't like possess animals, and like so you can like possess an eagle and fly it around to scout out, and then like take over bear. This trailer was released. I think it was back in twenty fourteen. Was when the game was developed around 26, 2017, they had a trailer for it. It's being published by Sony Inter- Interactive Entertainment, okay? The guy just, like, disappeared and didn't say anything. And then in September, he announced his department, um, uh, departure. But, like, the game is still, like, are you still making it? The game looked like I had a lot done. And it's just gone, but it looked awesome. <laughs> it was a procedurally generated, like, prehistoric game about a shaman who can possess animals. That sounds fun. But now the game's just, like, gone. Sometimes games just get stuck in hell and then never come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that... The- I think that's why I'm so scared for Silk Song. You, got, you need to believe. Channel your energy. I know, Believe but- in Silk Song. <laughs> There's been, I, I've had a couple other games that I've, like, kickstarted or got, like, in on very early that, like, never quite got completed. Like, I had a game that I kickstarted, and the developer got, like, 60% of the way through development, and then, like, noped out and was like, here's modding tools. I guess you guys can finish the game if you want. Jeez. <laughs> and, like, just, like, after stuff like that, I'm like, Hollow Knight was so good, and I really just... I hope nothing bad happens with Silk Song. I don't think it will, but there's just like that underlying fear, which is mostly gone because they did an interview. But like near the end of last year, where they had just been like radio silent for like, ten months, and there was absolutely nothing on it. Like yeah, I got worried, man. <laughs> I, I understand, but you know, I I have to believe. I have to believe that it's coming out soon. I I need this game, <laughs> and I'm hoping too that they get a little bit more notoriety and a little bit more press for silk song hmm. was so now good. that they released like one of the best games of the last decade they can actually get some mm. notoriety and respect for it we can only hope we can only hope and pray <laughs> no we need to we need to make sure we give game of the year to the next uh last of us sequel last of us part three now there's even less of us and less fingers too <laughs> Well, do you have anything else you want to go over before we head on out today? 
No, I think that's it. Yeah. Just play indie games. Play indie games. games are great. Yeah. Like, a lot of these small studios make really, really good games. They're really cheap. There's a ton of them on Game Pass. There's a ton of them on uh, PS Now. You know, go have fun. Go play some games. They're cheap. The value's there. You can look up a bunch of these games, even on, like, Google, just Google, like, Google Indie Games and just pick one that looks good. Or just look up one of the ones we talked about. And don't don't pass over something just because it looks a little different. Look at me. People, you know, I didn't get passed over and I look a little different. Come on. <laughs> well, well, Michael, are we heading out? We're going to go play some Risk of Rain? Something like that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, hope everyone out there has a, you know, good week, good month, good year. Hopefully we'll all be out of our houses at some time before Christmas, but I'm not planning on it. So while you are stuck inside, play some mini games, listen to some podcasts, like and subscribe, support independent creators as much as you can. They obviously need your help now more than ever. We don't we don't need your help. We just we just want you in our community. So <laughs> shall we, my friend? Risk of free.